welcome to the Magic Pisces Podcast. Okay, for the record, the sound is going to be all fucked up for this episode. I actually pulled off a pretty solid editing, splicing, moving job just to get this pre-quill in or, or this caveat. So you're going to hear a cutoff here, and then you're going to hear my normal sort of warm-up into a very echoey edition of the Magic Pisces podcast. Got a brand new Mac sorting out the settings and stuff in the microphone and whatnot. Enjoy. Welcome to the Magic Pisces podcast. Before the ayahuasca, before the Check. Check. Magic Pisces podcast. It's it's been a while. It's been several months. I feel like we live in an entirely new world since the last episode. I can't even remember what the last episode was. Does it even matter? I don't know. Um, how are you? Thanks for listening. I hope you got the notification that I recorded an episode or released an episode and that the that you were excited to see that I have some shit to spew over the mic. We've all got shit to spew over the mic. Why aren't you spewing your shit over the mic? If you want to. If you're inspired to create something and you're not doing it, what is in the way? Resistance is the answer there, more than likely. So speaking of resistance, I'm I'm very or overcoming resistance, I guess. I'm very, very close to the end of my book, like completely done. Been working with this amazing editor named Val, Val Irvine. I hope she doesn't mind me mentioning her name. Shout out to Val Irvine, by the way. You are amazing. Thank you for putting up with all of my lack of editorial knowledge. Thank you for putting up with the fact that I don't know how to listen to you. (laughs) I listen to people for a living. I can't listen to Val. Val works for me and I can't listen to her. So I threw a little bonus, you know, people who work, most people deserve to make more money for what they do than they, than they make. That's why I always, I, you know, I always tip. I pride myself on tipping. Well, I really do. Um, people work so fucking hard. They do. I was at white castle. Like I was in Chicago. I don't think I've I've recorded since then. I was or since well before I went to Chicago. I was in Chicago in July, and I went to White Castle because it's like one of the first places I stop when I get to Chicago is White Castle and Lombard. And there's this, like, poor There's this poor girl. Like, I don't know. She was, like, 18 or 19 or something, like, running the whole freaking place. I think, I think there was one, like, one person in back. So, you know, shout out and kudos to both of them to the two people in the fucking White Castle. Like, do you know how awful it is to work in a fast food restaurant? I worked at Hardy's CSU Lori Student Center for like a week in 1993 in the fall. And um, don't ask me why. Like, they basically hire anybody. And, um, you know, I was like, just for whatever reason, I could not, I was totally lost at Hardy's. I could not figure it out. And they were all like, they were all like into teamwork. Like they had this whole like rhythm and like they all kind of whistled while they worked a little bit. Like they were all a little stoked to be there just a little bit. Like you could tell they enjoyed their job, but not me. 
I was, I was hating life. I just, I could not, I mean, it was one of those jobs where like you look up at the clock and it's the same minute that it was when you looked up before and it felt like an hour. It was, it was just awful. And then the, um, the manager's like, Hey Dave, come here. I need to talk to you. And I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, what's this? You, you moving me up to the fryer station or something? You're putting me on fries. And, uh, and he looks at me and he's like, dude, I go in his office. I'm like, what's up, man? You know, cause I'm still like, I still showed up on time and I still worked hard. I thought, and he goes, it's just, it's just not working out. And I was like, fuck, I just got fired from Hardee's. And he's like, dude, I'm looking in, I'm looking in your eyes and I can, I can just tell that you don't want to be here. You don't want to be here. Do you? And he was like a little bit, almost like manipulative about it. Like he like triggered me a little bit. I'm like, no, I don't want to be here. He's like, see, this is what I'm talking about. Hardee's is for people who want to be here. And I was like, whoa. So I, and it was, it was so degrading. I had to like get my, I had to like get my things and like walk past the Hardee's staff. Like, and I think all of them knew that I was getting fired. So like none of them were looking at me. It was like this awkward Hardee's moment. Like, fuck, I just got hired from, fired from Hardee's. Um, so that being said, I was in this, this, uh, I was in White Castle in the drive-thru and I could just see, like it was taking forever. And there were like three cars in front of me. And then, and it took like, I don't know, like 20 minutes or something or longer to get to the window. And I get to the window and here's just this poor girl, like working her ass off at like 11 o'clock at night at White Castle. And there's like, it's just, you can just tell it's not fully staffed. And I was just like, we got done. Like she finally got me the food and I was like, do you have Venmo? And she's like, no. And I'm like, well, you should get Venmo because I want to tip you. And she's like, we're not allowed to accept tips. And I'm like, well, you should accept tips. And she's like, well, you need to, you know, you need to email headquarters or something. And I was like, fuck. Um, Cause I, I was going to send her a hundred dollars because I felt like she deserved it. And we could start a move. We could literally start a fucking movement of just give fast food employees or anytime you see some, somebody overworked and going above and beyond throw them a hundred dollars. It feels so good to give somebody a hundred dollars or to throw a hundred dollars in a chip and a tip jar. And it's not like I'm some rich baller guy at all, but it just feels really amazing. And I've often heard it said that the, the, the way to demonstrate humility, a really uh, powerful way to demonstrate humility is to do something nice for someone and not tell anybody about it, which is the opposite of what I just did. Although I was just talking about my intention. Um, speaking of um, good deeds that I'm going to humbly brag about or not be humble about, um, I uh, I do this thing with people with like the homeless people, where like if they ask me for money outside CVS, I don't give them money, but I take them on a CVS shopping spree. And it's an incredibly rewarding experience. Be like, hey, come on with me. We're going to CVS. And basically just get whatever you want. Now, they don't ever want too much. Like they want like Arizona iced tea or like Mountain Dew, like a, a liter bottle of Mountain Dew or Arizona iced tea or maybe like a Starbucks drink and like Slim Jims, like not even the good beef jerky, like Slim, like Slim Jims and like candy, gummy bears. You know, and, and this one guy, 
a few months ago, I told him to get whatever he wanted. I even bought him some headphones. And I was thinking to myself, if I buy you headphones, you could very easily sell a pair of brand new headphones and use that money to go buy fentanyl. I knew this. Um, and uh, I was like, dude, you're not going to use the, you're not going to sell those to buy, you know, meth or something, are you? And he's like, dude, I like music too much. Now, I know how convincing drug addicts are and how they're so good at lying that they believe their own lies when they're telling them, but I gave him the benefit of the doubt. But I insisted that he get some like trail mix. And, uh, and he was like, dude, you like, you like care about my health and shit. I was like, yes, I do. I care about your whole, I care about your whole existence. And this is the difference. This is the difference between me and a conservative. You know, I've been, I've been, I've been accused of being right wing by a few, few people here and there. I'm like, this is the difference between me and a conservative. I'm not going to be like, you know, Ben Shapiro, like, oh, I'll get you a job. You know, you can, you can wash my windows and I'll get you a beef jerky. You know, how much? Well, you wash my windows and that only took one minute. So that's one sixtieth an hour. So I'm going to give you 25 cents. Like, that's not me. I'm, I'm just not like that. Like, you could be using, well, I don't give money. Um, but if I did, I actually do give money sometimes. You could use that money to buy drugs. I don't fucking care. That's on you. So long as you're not like stabbing somebody to get drugs, that's a good thing. But I generally will do the CVS parking, uh, shopping spree. And I, this, this woman, this really sweet woman a few weeks ago in front of CVS asked me, um, if I had any money, I'm like, no, what do you want? She said, Arizona iced tea. And I was like, do you want like more than one? She's like, I want four of them. And I'm like, okay, well, what else do you want? She's like, gummy bears. And I'm like, okay, come with me. She's like, no, I need to wait out here. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I go in and I get the stuff and I drop it off to her. And she goes, she was maybe like 30-ish. And you could tell, I mean, she's definitely fucked up, like probably mentally ill and also doing lots of drugs, probably meth. I think she had a little bit of meth mouth. I don't, I don't remember exactly, but she definitely had like the pock marks and, you know, she looked a little rough, but you could just tell that she was a, she was a sweet soul. She was just a sweet, kind soul. And I gave her the goods in the little, you know, in the, they gave me this like fancy bag and I gave her the goods and all the, all the air, like they gave me like a, a bag that holds all four of the, of the Arizona iced teas individually. And I handed her off the bag with the gummy bears. And she said, thank you, sir, for this, your name shall be written in the book of life. And I was like, whoa, that is fucking cool. Whatever the book of life is. And, um, and I said, I can tell that you're a really sweet soul. And she said, I can tell that you're a sweet soul too. Or I, I can tell the same or something. I was like, aw, that's so nice. And my day was made better through giving. Now, I went and posted that quote on Facebook and got a shitload of likes. So perhaps that wasn't truly humble, but I do plenty of these things. I love to talk to the, um, I love to talk to the homeless people. Sometimes they're just all ornery. Like there was this woman down in Santa Monica over Thanksgiving, and she asked me um, if, if I would buy her some McDonald's. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, what do you want? McDouble? Two McDoubles? And she, like, I can't remember how it went down, but I offered to buy her, like, an, a, a substantial amount of food. And it just, it just wasn't enough. She just, like, wasn't grateful at all. And I'm like, well, that's the reason you're sitting here on a park bench, lady. Um, 
so whatever. Because sometimes they're just not always that cool. I I actually did give this woman about ten bucks. I gave her ten bucks in cash, and I actually went. I was on my one wheel toy, my electric skateboard one wheel, which it's such an amazing product. This podcast is brought to you by One Wheel. They're they aren't paying me anything, but um, it's it's one of the greatest inventions of all time. I would argue it's just a straight up adventure machine. The thing is so fun. But I take it out at night and I take it all over Oceanside, which has, you know, some Oceanside, California has some rough parts for sure. And but you're moving so quick on the thing, like it's not like anybody would be able to catch you anyway. But I I pulled up to this woman, I'm like, hey, how you doing? She's like, you know, give me some money. And I'm like, no, um, but CVS. So I went all the way back to CVS from uh, Taco Bell, which was like it's probably like three blocks, and I went to into CVS and I bought her all this shit. And I came back and I gave her, excuse that, and I, I gave her the bag, and um, and ten dollars, and she just nothing nothing but a dirty look. She's just giving me this, you know, fuck you, you like privileged whatever, and I'm like, you know, I didn't go into the spiel. Like I'm just like you. I probably done more drugs than you, you know, but whatever. You just you just let that go, you know, and no. You know, uh, David Hawkins talks about in mo- multiple books of his that one, like one kind, one kind act is remembered in the in the in the universe like forever. And Course in Miracles talks about how if you perf- if you like do a miracle for someone, meaning like if you are guided to um, you know give some money, give someone money, or take them to CVS or whatever, that that you have you will never see the 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 true impact of it because it reverberates it just reverberates out into the universe is that the right word reverberates it vibrates it 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 goes out into the in in out into the universe and it affects untold numbers of things now uh there's a difference between what are referred to in the course of miracles as consciously directed miracles and a consciously directed miracle would be one where, like, you're just trying to look good. You know what I mean? And so, like, you know, what is referred to often as virtue signaling, where you're just trying to look good. And that the intention there is misaligned. It's coming from ego versus spirit. And so that type of a, that type of a quote-unquote good deed is not, um, could in fact have a deleterious effect on the universe because that it because it's coming from a, a wacky place. So uh, all that being said, take somebody to CVS. The next time somebody hits you up outside CVS, take them on a shopping spree. I keep meaning to start like a vlog, like a, a video blog, VLOG. And if you go to the Apple store, they have these little video log, video blog kits where you just like stick your, you stick your phone in it and then it becomes like a like a camera boom or whatever, like a camera holder, camera stand type thing. And then you can like interview people with it. And I, I would assume it might have a, it probably has a microphone. Um, but I keep meaning to start a video blog about the homeless because I, the fucking homeless, the the shit with the homeless is really fucked up, and it really does kind of look like the fucking zombie apocalypse. Um, and I have no idea where, the, I have no idea where the homeless, these homeless, like fentanyl meth addicts, right? And the major, a lot of them are like truly 
meth addicted fentanyl addicts, right? I, I have, I have no idea where they get broken down 40 foot RVs. Who gives the broken down 40 foot RV to the homeless person and transports it for them to like the, the, the space behind a grocery store um, where they proceed to live? Like, how does it get there? You know, I, I was talking to my friend Greg about this and was, he was like, yeah, that's an interesting question. Or I agree. That's weird. And um, maybe it's the Chinese, maybe, maybe the Chinese in their war against America. It's the CCP. The CCP are giving the homeless people in America RVs and they're pretty soon they'll just be polluting everything. Um, but I pulled up to one, like I pulled up. I, I, again, on my one-wheel toy, which is really quick. You can get in somewhere, you can get out really fast. And um, I pulled up next to one of these RVs, and there's just this dude, like, hunched over, just, like, hunched over on himself. Um, just gone. Like, in, just in the fentanyl haze. Just, I mean, just dead dead to the world or dying. And there were all these flies, there were like gnats and flies buzzing around this bucket that was like off to his side. And, and I'm assuming the bucket was where he took a shit. Um, and it was just, I mean, really it was, and there's guard, there's like, of course, garbage spilled out in like a semicircle around the, the door. And, and this is just like, off to the side of a CVS, actually, in Oceanside, in like a major, major area. You know what I mean? And 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 if I cruise around on my on my skateboard, my one wheel, and you just come across all of these homeless like encampments. Basically, I was on a dirt trail. The thing goes on dirt trails. I was on a dirt trail um, right after I got it, and I followed this. This is right off Oceanside Boulevard, like a major thoroughfare, right? And I noticed this like little dirt trail off to the right, off to the side of the sidewalk, and I go up the dirt trail, and I follow it, and it starts to go up this hill, and I came across this like large encampment with like a canvas and tents and shopping carts and bicycles and I don't know, maybe 20 people there. Now, this is not a place I would approach at night ever. Like, I wouldn't go anywhere, I just wouldn't go anywhere near it. I mean, you could very easily just get killed um, because a lot of these people are tweaking. And I was running this, um, I was talking about the fentanyl stuff with my, with this guy that I surf with today, who's an addiction counselor. And he told me that the fentanyl is so strong. Basically, the, 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 they're, the chemicals to make the fentanyl are coming from China and they're being shipped to Mexico. And then the fentanyl is being made like in the, in the woods in Mexico or like in the mountains in Mexico or wherever and then shipped right across the border. And, um, and, and it's, I mean, it's deadly. Like I've done a lot of heroin. Heroin, you get good heroin and it will perk you right up. You will be walking with a, a skip in your step. Is that the expression? Um, you'll just be kind of dancing along through life. Even when, like, even down the road on heroin, like, if you get, like, a decent batch, it will perk you right up, and it will make you easy to talk to, and it will make life not scary, and it will make you be able to navigate life, and it will make you even be able to, you know, unless you're all fucked up, drive perfectly fine. 
Um, but the fentanyl stuff, I mean, it really does. Um, it's, I mean, it's more than anything, it's really, really sad. And I came across, like, this is just right at, like, right at the McDonald's and Oceanside Boulevard, right off the five, the five expressway. I was there two days ago on my one wheel. And I mean, right there, right on the corner. And I kind of cruise up on the sidewalk to get around the, I was trying to get around the, get through the intersection, like going around the intersection. Might be too much information. But um, I, I came across, there's like this drainage ditch, like something that you would skate like back in the 80s, like a drainage ditch with a great big like giant drainage pipe, like five foot tall drainage pipe. And there's like seven junky meth heads down in, sitting in this drainage pipe together in this drainage ditch together like someone's like in the pipe kind of and this dude's just got this big foily and he's just cooking up crack or meth on this piece of foil um and there's needles everywhere i actually posted a picture of it on instagram you can see it there's um there's needles everywhere and and it's just in like graffiti and chairs and just all this junk and like razors and like belts and they're they're all just like kicking it <laughs> they're all just hanging out and i'm just like watching them all and i'm basically staring because i'm just like i'm in awe of it and then this you know one of them looks at me and like kind of cops an attitude and i'm like um you are not people i'm going to fuck with at all and i just one wheeled it the fuck out of there i was you know you can covered more ground than they probably walk in a year. So I wasn't really too worried about it uh, in a couple of seconds before they uh, cover in a year. So I wasn't uh, too worried about it, but, but it was in, it was just so sad. And, you know, I've been very guilty of picking on the media. Um, it's, it's like this, you can't run, you can only run from this stuff for, for so long. Like the truth now is just getting right up in people's, faces it's it's undeniable there's a where i used to by where i used to live in chicago off tui in rogers park there's now a, a tent city that's popped up so these fucking tent cities popping up everywhere and you know i would assume you get a bunch of people living together and there are going to be people within that community um which it is a community who are uh you know perhaps authoritarians or perhaps um mayors so to speak and I was watching this YouTube video on about this this camp they were moving in. I think it was see it was in Seaside, Oregon, actually, and and they were like interviewing the mayor of the tent city. And the 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 thing is though, like, where the fuck are they supposed to go? They're like clearing out this tent city, and the mayor's like, he's like, well, I mean, where where we where are we gonna go? And they're like interviewing this this one guy who's just seemed like a seemed like a normal enough guy and he's just like yeah I lost my job and this is my home you know he'd been living there for like two years or something and they finally decided to move him like where in the fuck are they supposed to go you know like for real like the, another place set up another tent city and there's just so many of them now that they're what the fuck are you going to do about it what the fuck are you going to do about the 40 foot RV parked behind Jewel Osco, you know what I mean? Or parked behind CVS or over by Dunkin' Donuts. You, you, what are you going to call a tow truck and move it? Where are you going to move it? And then, like, 
is a junkyard going to take it? Like, and so there's just shit starting to like litter, litter the parking lots and side streets, side streets and frontage roads. And, and it's, it's, again, it's just really fucking sad. And I do not know if we are, if we're capable of, I mean, it would take a spiritual revolution as a country to, to fix these problems. Um, and, and unfortunately the, there is very obviously going to be a shitload of crime associated with this because you've got people who have no money. And when people don't have money, they go and commit crimes. Um, and when people get all tweaked out on meth, um, they are very likely to become psychotic and violent. And, um, that is, that is an incredibly valid concern for the average citizen anywhere to have. It just is. I mean, as a person who, I was never homeless, right? But, <coughs> excuse me, I, you know, I wandered the streets of the west side of Chicago looking for drugs. And I just understand the mindset that comes along with that. Um, it is, it is, you become criminally minded. It's just, it just, it's almost like a default. It's almost like the, the survival reptilian, um, the survival reptilian, uh, orientation to that desperate estate. It's almost to become criminal. And, um, so there are basically just all of these psychotic, kind of criminals wandering around and they're not being arrested. And if someone is violent, I don't care how fucking crazy you are or what the system did or society or any of that. Like you need to be in a place with, um, at the minimum, uh, a locked door and padded walls. And, and, you know, if they can't accommodate that, uh, certainly, you know, jails, jail, prison, wherever, um, if you are threatening people now, if you're not, if you're like a safe, if you're a person that's safe, um, you're not putting anybody's safety in jeopardy, more power to you. Get away with doing that shit for as long as you can, I guess, until you die. Um, but that is just, I mean, that, that is also an incredibly sad proposition, right? Um, and I know what it's like to be so addicted that a part of you will just keep doing it until you're, you're dead, right? Until you die. I would have just kept going until I died if I didn't run out of money. And so it's, what's, what's the solution? I mean, is this part of the solution? Getting out and getting onto the airwaves and being a voice of reason and a voice of compassion? Because uh, I think that what we need is reason and compassion and not this peculiar weaponized empathy or compassion um, that has made itself very popular recently. We need like real compassion rooted in realism. And um, I, uh, I see this, there's this one woman, I see her all the fucking time. I see her all, all over the place. And uh, she's always, she's completely insane and uh, just completely psychotic. Some, some, somewhere else, you know, uh, perhaps captured by um, malevolent energies 
right? Entities. And uh, she's just crying. Every time I see her, she's just crying. She just, she's just weeping as, as hard as any soul could weep all the time, all the time. And she's just filthy. And, you know, her pants are like falling down. And, and you, can, you can tell that at one point she was like this beautiful girl, you know? And where, where, where do you begin? Where, where do you begin? I guess you would begin by constructing shelters. Um, and I don't want to get into the political side of things. I think that there is, um, I want to keep it like humanitarian, right? But um, I was watching some video a while back. I can't remember what it was. But it was this woman who was running for, I think, one of the congressional seats in California or one of the district seats or something. I can't remember. But she was just talking, breaking down the uh, level and degree of corruption involved in the whole, like, save the homeless thing. And she might have been coupling it with the kind of soft on, soft on crime thing, which that's what I'm talking about. That's a perversion of, that's a perversion of compassion. Um, like having society be uns, more unsafe by the minute uh, because of some um, ideal you're trying, compassionate, supposedly compassionate ideal you're supposed to, um, you're supposed to be living up to or that you claim to be living up to. Um, and, and it's not, it's kind of disconnected from any real solution. But she was talking about just, she, she broke it down um, how just disturbingly um, corrupt it, it was. Like they're basically trying to home, house homeless people in like houses, right? And um, <clears throat> housing is not a right. It's not a constitutional right. And I was watching another video and he was talking about the, the guy in the video, I think it was on the Rogan podcast. He was talking about the difference between shelter and housing and that perhaps that they, perhaps they could pass a constitutional amendment to guarantee shelter. Shelter would be different from housing. Um, shelter, uh, cleanliness and shelter. It might, it might already be, be one. I don't think it is. I don't think it's in the Constitution. But it would be, um, you know, you could pass a constitutional amendment perhaps to guarantee shelter and then construct shelters um, individual living units that are clean. Um, shelters, I would imagine, could get pretty sketchy pretty fast. I had a client, actually, who part of his coaching was to... He went and lived in a shelter. He moved into the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago. It's on the near west side. And became like a resident there voluntarily. And he didn't really speak about it being too fucked up Honestly, there were there. He did say that there was a lot of bed bugs, but it wasn't like he said that there wasn't a lot of crime that he could see blatantly out in the open. But shelter, like if if we began perhaps with shelter, um, that and 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 creating a goal as a nation to shelter people, um, perhaps that would make a difference. But when people are that fucked up on drugs. They're likely, especially in Southern California, where it's warm all the time. They're just gonna, they're just gonna kick it, right? So I think what you'll probably, what I would think would happen is that the crime is going to be so out of control, 
um, or some, you know, Democrat's son or daughter or whatever is going to be assaulted or whatever in a really pretty place. And maybe that will be the call to action um, to, to start uh, enforcing drug laws, for instance, because the I don't if this is this is a whole other thing, but I do not know what the fuck is going on with the Democrats or particularly like the presidency. And it's it's just very peculiar. Like you go back to when Obama was president and um, everybody's like, yay, Obama. And, you know, I get why people hated him now, um, but he was an incredibly charismatic human being who people celebrated, right? Um, and what was I saying? I completely lost my, completely lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. But this, this um, Biden thing, it's, there's nobody celebrating him, this Biden administration. There's nobody celebrating Kamala Harris on Facebook. You don't see memes with like an inspirational picture of Kamala Harris and some quote that she said that's awesome or Joe Biden and if in particular Joe Biden or especially Joe Biden if you um if you listen to the things he says it's just I mean it's just freaky it's it's disturbing that this person is supposedly running the world and it just occurs as if the entire administration is just checked out um and what I think is you're going to see is a perhaps very likely a very radical shift um, to the right, as Donald Trump kind of attempted to do. Um, but this, I mean, this stuff just isn't going to stand. And, and when the, the shift to the right happens, which, again, is just a hypothesis or just a theory, um, then you're going to have, you know, like normal, chill kind of responsible hippie like stoner people who take like mushrooms right now they're all suddenly going to be having to worry um because perhaps drug laws are now a thing and perhaps you're not a danger to society but you put pulled over and now you get 20 years in prison for you know a half a gram of mushrooms or something uh, i'm kind of exaggerating to prove a point but it wouldn't surprise me at all if you see this sort of thing happening um now the energetically it's just very odd if you just if you just feel into it now um transition into um this kind of record review i'm gonna give this um <laughs> this new album by the band uh, off capital o capital f capital f exclamation point is one of the finest pieces of punk rock to ever be released in the history of punk rock. Now it's, I just have this feeling that Keith Morris like spiritually is, I think he might just be on his way out. Um, he's 67 years old, not 57, 67. Um, and the first circle jerks album came out in 1979. It's called group sex. And it was, I mean, so he was, I believe 18 years old at the time. Uh, he might have been a little older. He might have been 20 or 21, which would have been old, um, you know, to be starting a punk band, but a little old. But, um, I mean, the shit's prophetic. I mean, like, he's got this song called Paid Vacation about 
the war in Afghanistan against the Soviets. And I mean, this shit is it, it advanced. This dude had an advanced understanding of things. Right. And um, it's like 40, 40, what, 42, 43 years later. And this this album, you know, Keith Morris is the front man of off um, this off album it's basically he's basically just proving himself the greatest of all fucking time with this album because it does not let let anybody off the hook it's calling out fucking all of it it's calling out all of the bullshit and it's totally cryptic he's like singing about aliens and shit and you know um like Roswell, the Roswell mortician. It's, it's, and I mean, punk rockers started out as conspiracy theorists, right? Um, it cut out. I had to reboot. Anyway, um, yeah, this, this album, it's, it's like he's, he's hinting at the fact that he might be a conspiracy theorist. I mean, he's got this song, it's called Black Widow Group. And it's like a plague of fake investigations. Mandate is divide the nation. Roulette team, ace in the hole. What is their ultimate goal? Some things you don't need to know. Unseen, unknown, are our thoughts, not our own. Black Widow group. It's just like, you know, he talks about ancient, you know, bloodlines and shit, like meaning, you know, the, the bloodlines of the presidency and the Roswell mortician and it's been proven that there are aliens and my point is this album it it matches if if you if you tune into the almost the spiritual energy of the administration this album matches that energy it, it in defiance if that makes sense it's kind of like yeah i i i get this shit you're peddling, like he refers to it as an, as a, um, an, an, an equality smokescreen. Equality smokescreen. I forget the song. But that's what they're doing. There's this smokescreen of equality, right? And uh, beneath that smokescreen, what in the fuck are they doing? You know? It's, it's, um, it's a brilliant piece of punk rock and it, by the way the name of it is free lsd and if you buy the if you buy the the lp the vinyl the lyric sheet is printed out on a giant sheet of acid so how cool is that so i think what happened is keith morris right you know one of the godfathers of punk for sure probably the godfather of socal punk at least um i think that him and the guitar player whose name is dimitri coates um i think they like like went into the <laughs> went into the desert and like dropped acid in a shack somewhere or something and made this album or wrote these songs. It's just got that, it's got that feel to it. It's like it's very, it's subtly psychedelic, very subtly, but it's just, it's punk as fuck. And the other off albums are great. The first, I think there's three other albums. They're, they're all really good. But this one, this one is like totally next level. I mean, it's just, it's, it's one of the greatest I mean, works of music in general of all time, easily. Um, and, you know, argu arguably, I mean, I would put it right up against the early Circle Jerks shit. It is, it's, it's, it's almost like, it just occurs as if it's like his final, his final thing. You know, this is like my final opus or whatever. I actually sent him a, he's, I'm Facebook friends with him and I sent him a message and 
he's incredibly uh, grateful. He's just responded with, thank you so much for saying that. I, I told him, um, I'm like, this is like, this is the only, this is the only punk rock left. I mean, <laughs> punk rock deteriorated, like punk rock during COVID turned, <laughs> this is my impression, impersonation of punk rock during COVID. Let's get vaccinated. Nothing to do, nowhere to go. I want to get vaccinated. I mean, it's just too good, right? And and this shit is just furious. It's just the most fucking furious shit. I was waiting for someone to come along and to put words to the fucking fury I was feeling. And it's interesting to see people like like Keith Morris, um, prolific, hardcore punk rocker, really quiet during COVID. You know what I mean? I also saw this thing with him and Jello Biafra, the singer of the Dead Kennedys, at a um, a recent like punk event. I think it was punk rock bowling, and they were like on the stage. It was like a panel discussion. They're like asking them punk rock. They're like asking them questions, and somebody asked him about cancel culture. And, you know, they both gave these kind of cryptic answers that were, um, you know, maybe they were a little scared to tell the truth. Um, because now, you know, if you call that shit out, you're, although it's less now, um, but you're, you're branded a, a racist or a transphobe or something. And um, that, that whole thing with the, you know, I, I have a friend who's a good friend who's, she's been teaching in Chicago public schools for 17 years. And she says the sex stuff that the fucking kids are doing is beyond disturbing. So there's, it's, there's just this very peculiar energy to that whole ide, ideology, gender ideology stuff. There just is. And there, you, you can only pull the wool over the, the, the people's eyes for so long. And that's like one of the things he says in the album. It's like, truth... Truth cannot be stopped. I mean, I just want to play the whole fucking thing for you, but check it out. Free LSD by Off. Um, it's, it's fucking amazing. I, um, I've talked for a very long time, so thank you uh, so much for listening. I hope you listen to the whole thing. Go out and get Free LSD by Off. Um, go take someone on CVS shopping spree. Question authority. Please, by all fucking, just just... By all means, question fucking authority. Um, yeah, before I wrap up, I, I've been reading this book, The Gulag Archipelago by Solzhenitsyn. It's just this first-hand account of this guy's eight years in the gulag. It's not just the eight years in the gulag, his eight years in the gulag, in the Soviet gulag, but it's just how the entire thing was orchestrated by the Soviets, and it was orchestrated in such a way that people just started telling on their neighbors to preserve themselves. And um, Jordan Peterson, you know, he's, he cites um, Solzhenitsyn a lot in, you know, in a lot of the fury that he finds himself uh, living, he finds himself living inside a furious rage often. Um, and, you know, my friend Greg, I, I, I think we disagree, Greg, a little bit, because I I think that if perhaps you saw the things, I get his fury. I get his fucking fury. Um, and, and, you know, when I, I start, you know, you just, I listen to conservative stuff because you're, 
you're getting a point of view that owns that it has a biased point of view, and you're often, as in the case of Ben Shapiro, like you're getting a, a, a very critical analysis of the mainstream media. Like, this is what they said, these are the facts, and based on this, and you know, I'm not, I'm completely paraphrasing and oversimplifying, but um, there's this, you are, you are, <laughs> you're outraged, you become outraged, and there are things that you cannot unsee. And so I understand a person like Jordan Peterson's um, rage, and you know, I don't think it's crazy fucking things have happened on planet Earth. And I don't think that we have evolved enough um, as a species to move beyond them fundamentally, like uh, mass genocide. Because this, this um, the Gulag Archipelago, it's actually three volumes. Um, I mean, it makes the, what happened in the Holocaust look like, I mean, like, like nothing. I don't wanna say like nothing, right? It's, it's still the Holocaust, but it was, there were way more people killed, way more. So anyway. Go out and do something kind for someone. Don't tell anybody about it. Talk to you soon. Bye. Before the ayahuasca, before the clear blue skies, and before the great awakening, there were demons disguised as angels in shiny foily packets containing China heroin. The cheapest vodka bottles, the filthy escapades, my morning hustle on the train. And the angels watching over me, the God that I could never see as I wandered alone through city streets. And the whores, the whores, the whores were my friends. The hookers and the junkies and the other deviants. They beat me to submission till I cast aside my demons and that's when it came shining through dusty blinds in a dim lit room. Surrender